I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom. Um, a little bit agonized over this whole thing, to Bionic. Wow. That's a pretty somber beginning to a show. Indeed. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what Brother Tom's referring to is a show that you're going to find very interesting, we believe, this week, even more so than normal. Um, it, it's a show that took a few different turns than what we anticipated. To say the and, least. And for that reason, we're giving some uh, special, uh, I wouldn't say precautions, but just some... Uh, Commentary for people to keep in mind, particularly if you're a new listener of Future Quake here over uh, uh, either our Christian radio station or other venues you're listening to this at and you're not new to our show. Yeah. Uh, l- let me explain that we have uh, an amazing, very popular guest on our show, Linda Moulton Howe, the producer, uh, documentary producer, uh, uh, operator of the Earth Files website, one of the most popular people you'll find on the subject of cattle mutilations, uh, of um, uh, abductions, uh, different kind of things in the UFO field, uh, most popular in the world, uh, and uh, certainly a popular radio guest, TV show guest around the world. And she was gracious enough to come on our show a second time. Mm-hmm. She came for a brief visit about a year and a half ago, and we had a very, very interesting show. She is an investigative reporter that uh, gets out there and tries to find real data in the field of what's happening with crop circles or or cattle mutilations or things. Uh, and uh, so, sort of like uh, uh, X-Files kind of thing that she very, does. Very much so. Yeah. And most of the time on the show, she will stick just to comments about uh, the data she's found and collected uh, and maybe a little speculation about it. But this show, uh, you'll find that uh, she t- discusses quite a bit about the spiritual nature of what she believes uh, some of these things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we're reviewing one of her books that she's written. Uh, and the book talked about the message that uh, ETs are telling people who say they've had abduction experiences, what they've seen. So it lends itself to discussion about these spiritual matters. She gives some personal views uh, that would be very different than your traditional Christianity would believe. And as is true with any of our uh, guests, we don't endorse necessarily any of our guests and their opinions. We provide it for information's sake, mm-hmm. for people to know what, what people out there who are on the cutting edge we're doing research are saying how it influences society and uh, we want each of you to take your Bible uh, and to review some of these things that are said by people and look what the Word of God has to say and you'll find during the course of our interview uh, 
we, 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 uh, we allow her to say quite a bit about her beliefs in these areas and where possible we interject where we stand yeah. biblically. Uh, but you'll hear a lot of it in there, and I'm just asking for patience of our listeners well, and to, that, uh, to understand when they listen to the show. Well, and that's one thing, too. We really, we really did sort of agonize whether or not to run this because, you know, like you said earlier, we don't, I don't think we necessarily endorse this or any of our other guests' ideas. But well, yeah, uh, the, the thing was that we, we got a little bit more into some personal spiritual positions of our guests yeah. who does not espouse a traditional Christian view, mm-hmm. uh, and we don't want to say that that necessarily is our position or that yeah. of the radio station or anywhere you might hear this, but it is informative. If you are a mature Bible student and you want to know the kind of teaching that you see reflected like shows on Discovery Channel, History Channel, other topics on this, mm-hmm. you will find uh, this actually sheds some light on some of the spiritual views that actually works its way into the findings of people. You find and she's someone who's right in the middle mm-hmm. of the cutting edge of that. And for us as Christians to try to understand what we believe to be the real origins uh, of these phenomena, if there is any, mm-hmm. we can find it instructive to know what people like herself have to think about it. Indeed. So we want to make sure you understood this before we broadcast it, that this is something that's going to re- require discernment for all our listeners. In fact, you should use that for every guest we have on Future Quake, and even the comments that Tom and I make. We we implore you to search the scriptures and find out what they have mm-hmm. to say. This is going to be one of those kind of times where... Uh, you're going to have to just look into the information, make your own decisions about uh, information that you find useful, particularly from a prophetic standpoint, and what information uh, deviates from what you believe is a Christian belief system, and uh, find this instructive in its own light. So Indeed. I think we've we've clarified things as such. I want to thank uh, Linda Moltenhell for coming on our show. Yeah. It's, it's uh, very kind of her to take time from her extremely busy schedule to come on and actually be willing to share some of these kind of personal things, which I've not heard her do on other shows. Yeah, And true. I find it helps us to understand sometimes why she has a certain zeal or passion about these things. So with no further ado, uh, we're going to go into our first section, and this week's going to be unique. We're going to have five individual shows over the interview, and we're going to spend a little bit more time interjecting some of our commentary mm-hmm. to the interview at, at the beginning, middle, and at the end of every show. So okay. with no further ado, here's Miss Linda Moulton Howe talking about the message and motives behind entities observed to be in contact with this world. We'll be right back to continue the discussion here on Future Quake. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Future Quake show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, awfully excited for this show, Bionic. Yeah, one of your shorter middle names well, today. there you go. And the reason why is that we have a tremendous guest, yes. one of our most prestigious guests uh, that we have had in the history of our show, backed by popular demand. Uh, we have Linda Moulton Howe, the producer of the Earth Files website and numerous other productions, talking about the message and motives behind entities observed to be in contact with this world. And this is a uh, theme that we've really focused on this summer on the Future Quake show. And uh, there's an explicit reason why we're having her on now. But, Mrs. Howe, I want to thank you so much for joining us again on the Future Quake show. Well, thank you. Uh, I am always happy to help people who are honestly trying to learn facts about this planet that, unfortunately, governments seem to have uh, gone to policies of denial in the interest of national security, and that especially affects our learning the truth about non-human intelligences interacting with this planet As one man retired from the Defense Intelligence Agency told me back in 1999, Linda, we are pretty much convinced that at least two of the types of non-humans that come and go on this planet, that they go back before the time of the dinosaurs. And I remember 
thinking, my God, that is 270 million years ago. That's more than a quarter of a billion years ago. And hominids are only 1.6 million years old. So if we have intelligences that are 270 times older than Homo erectus, let alone us today, then what they have been doing on this planet and what they continue to do in terms of uh, harvesting resources uh, and various genetic material is something that I think the entire planet deserves to understand and know as much as their elected representatives. Mm. Well, you know, that's a new revelation for us, Ms. Howe, that our government wouldn't be fully forthcoming with all the data they have about what's going on in the world. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever brought that I up in a show. Say that. I know you say <laughs> that sarcastically. Yeah, you mean you guys don't uh, trust the government? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, go, about? we'll go two to three minutes at a time without bringing that fact up yeah. again. So we've, 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 we've been there and done that, and so it's no surprise. Uh, and it's not just about uh, wars and people and who our enemies are and these kind of things, but there are much more deeper held values, things that have uh, long-term societal and spiritual impact, and that's what we're going to talk about in our show here. Your appearance back on our show back in December 2007, uh, back when we were a much smaller, uh, humble show on a different station, has been one of our most popular shows we have ever produced in terms of the downloads and the feedback we got. Uh, even though it was an abbreviated visit due to a family medical emergency that right. had come right. up that you'd experienced right before airtime. Uh, I remember, yeah. But, but you broke your neck to come in for part two. And yeah. uh, we really regarded that very highly and really yeah. appreciated that. Uh, and, and you have been shown to be a person of your word, uh, even though with your incredible schedule and demands that you have, by following up on your promise to return to our show for a more extended visit in the future. And a promise that we decided to cash in on tonight. Yes, so, and... I am glad to be here, and you can tell by what I said that if this is true, if what a government source who worked for the Defense Intelligence Agency for 23 years told me in his retirement is correct, that uh, that there are need-to-know agencies in our government who accept that we're dealing with non-human entities that have been coming and going on this planet for more than 270 million years then suddenly the fact that there are all of these uh, different craft and entities that in the so-called modern age from 1940s onward that humans just sort of seem to wake up to, it would be extremely recent in mm -hmm. a 270 million arc of time, year of arc of time, and it raises these questions in my mind. We must then serve some purpose, the earth must serve some purpose, and that there is no interest demonstrated by the fact that our population continues to grow exponentially. There does not seem to be any interest whatsoever in hurting humans. Um, there definitely are the animal mutilations uh, to deal with, which we can talk mm -hmm. about in some depth. But I'm trying to say in a large box, it would appear no matter how many intelligences have been involved with Earth in this solar system since before the time of the dinosaurs, if that is in fact true, then we are a very recent life form, and there is no demonstration of harm directed our way. I think that is extremely important to keep in mind as we talk about some of the difficult subjects 
of animal mutilations that are global and a century long, and the human abduction syndrome, which at least publicly was first reported in the 1960s, and that there are so many aspects of this story that keep coming back to suppression because governments don't want to lose their control over human populaces. Right. Well, you know, we're going to discuss each of those matters. And, in fact, our, our, our audience has no problem uh, envisioning 270 million years because they've told us that's how long it feels while they're sitting through an entire episode of Future Quake. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a similar time frame they feel they experience. So uh, we're going to have a very compelling discussion because I want to talk about some points you made out in the book you assigned me to read uh, right. for our interview tonight. It's still timely. Uh, the data is still relevant. It relates to other guests we've had on our show. But I want to jump in quickly and move on because we've got a lot of material to cover. And what you just shared there at the beginning, uh, on most shows that would be incredibly compelling, but we have even bigger bombshells than that we're going to have in our discussion related to your work. As an Emmy Award-winning producer and documentarian, uh, you're a world-class researcher and investigator, field investigator. Uh, you're basically, in effect, a real-life CSI-type investigator uh, okay. and, tr and truth seeker in the field. Many of our listeners are already familiar with your work. As, as I would say, you're pro possibly the most popular and prolific guest on uh, shows like Coast to Coast uh, and others where you have millions of fans. Uh, and many of our listeners are likely regular readers of your mesmerizing website, earthfiles.com. Uh, for those who would like to know more about you, I'd like to direct them uh, to your website, earthfalls.com, and also back to our earlier uh, riveting broadcast we did with you in 2007, uh, and it's archived to futurequake.com. Uh, however, uh, could you provide us a very brief, say, one to two minute synopsis of your background and the body of work uh, that you've done and the subject matter you've covered in your research? I'll try. Uh, I did my... Uh master's degree work at Stanford University in Palo Alto and graduated with a master's degree in which I had focused on documentary films in science and the environment. And my television career from the time that I graduated from Stanford in 1968 until around 1995, so it was a long time, I was doing lots and lots of television. Um, my beats were always to produce about science and environment and medicine. I did a lot of medical reporting in Boston with the ABC television uh, station there, and Dr. Timothy Johnson uh, was oh, the okay. uh, me medical doctor who is ABC network advisor. I worked with him for two years producing documentaries and live studio shows every week. And when I became director of special projects in the Denver Colorado station that was a CBS affiliate KMGH TV. I was married then, had a husband and a child, and we had moved there because my husband was working with what was then Time Inc. and later became Time Warner. And my career at Channel 7, my job was to produce three or four documentaries a year, do two or three live studio programs a year, and news segments all devoted to any subject having to do with science or environmental matters affecting the state of Colorado. So in the summer mm. of 1979, I had been producing television shows for 11 years. By then, I had won many, many journalistic awards, and I say that only to support the fact that I, ha I am now and have always been, since graduating from Stanford, a professional 
uh, investigative journalist and TV producer who, because of the nature of television, I produced, wrote, direct, edited, uh, narrated, reported from the field. I did everything for each show. We're back at the Future Quake show with Dr. Future and Tom Bionic. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we're doing sort of a special... Uh, mid-show interjection here, particularly for our new listeners that are wondering what in the world you're listening to, uh, because some of the commentary you heard from our guests is very different than what you'd hear from a Christian show, even by our standards. Indeed. Uh, and, uh, in fact, uh, Ms. Howe started very early in our discussion. It's sort of interesting that she interjected this early about uh, some research she had just found that suggested that ETs, or some people had quoted to her, ETs went back millions of years mm-hmm. uh, here on the Earth. Mm-hmm. Which probably for our guest uh, next week, Gary Bates, he probably wouldn't care too much being a six-day creationist. Yeah, there would be some there would be some disharmony with <laughs> yeah, there'd be two. some disharmony with yeah. that. Uh, so she lays her cards out on the table pretty quickly about um, her belief in the ancient appearance of these and that they're reappearing. Yes. So uh, I guess you'd have to file uh, her perspective of looking at some of this under that guise of looking at the return of sort of ancient astronauts, you might say, like mm-hmm. Eric von Donneken. Mm-hmm. So uh, keep that in perspective uh, in your research when you look at uh, Bible prophecy and what these things are. And uh, this is going to pop up some more. You're going to hear more of this. We've covered mostly her credentials up to now, but we'll be back to uh, wrap up a little bit about her further comments. So here we resume with our interview with Linda Moulton Howe. So it demanded my going into subjects in great depth and when... It was brought to my attention in the summer of 1979 that there was a huge upsurge in animal mutilations in Colorado, surrounding states, Canada, and other parts of the world. I thought, naively looking back, well, I'm going to get to the bottom of this mystery (laughs) of what's happening to these animals. And the short story is... That nine months later was the the two-hour special, A Strange Harvest, that became the first, the 90-minute film that was later uh, shortened to a 60-minute video and now a 60-minute DVD. All of my DVDs and my books are available at my news website, earthfiles.com, in the Earthfiles shop. And after A Strange Harvest was broadcast, It is as if my life were cleaved into two paths parallel. The the mail room could not keep up with the room, uh, with the mail that was coming into their room. It was literally every week for a month, they were getting uh, like a dozen bags a day, over a hundred bags, huge bags of mail. They were saying, Linda, we just can't keep up with all of this. The switchboard wow, was overwhelmed. And I'm saying that to indicate that after a Strange Harvest broadcast, I knew that the entire world was now coming at me from both hemispheres mm-hmm. saying, I've never told anyone this before, and it would be a mutilation story, a beam story, a creature story, an abduction story, a missing time story. All of this stuff was in all this mail and all these phone calls and back then faxes and all of that. So I was uh, surprised to have the general manager of the CBS station where I was director of special projects, and I had my own budget, my own staff, everything, and the general manager called me into his office and said, Linda, I am your friend and you know that, and I support everything you do and you have done a great production on a very important subject, but I'm here to tell you 
you can't do any more work on animal mutilations and UFOs. And I think of this now as a turning point mm -hmm. in my entire life because mm. this man was a friend. He ran the station. We had the biggest reaction, the biggest ratings of anything that had ever been produced in Denver, let alone the state of Colorado, in A Strange Harvest. And the general manager is telling me I can't work on it anymore. And it didn't matter how many questions I asked. That was his same answer. I, back then, I was mm -hmm. too naive to think that somebody in a higher authority had called him and said, you've got to stop her. That's probably mm -hmm. what happened. Right. I right. assumed, yeah, I assumed then that he was being a general manager who didn't want mm -hmm. another similar subject, even though I had a thousand stories to tell. Right. Well, uh, that was the beginning of great frustration. I felt like I was in a straight jacket. I went ahead and did a radioactive water that won a Chicago Film Festival Silver Award for Best uh, Documentary and all of these things. I was doing astronaut training in Colorado. I was doing a wide range of, but what I really wanted to spend full time was on all of this unbelievable mail and communications about UFOs, ETs, animal mutilations, human abductions, and so forth. So when the home box office called me up a couple of years after the first broadcast mm -hmm. of A Strange Harvest, because they kept rebroadcasting it, right. home box office, uh, the head of uh, documentaries was Jean Abinader, and she called me and she said, I've heard about this uh, documentary you've done. We'd like to screen it. And they got a copy, and she called me up again and said, we'd really like to contract with you to do an hour special for Home Box Office. And I was in New York on March 21st. I remember it was the mm -hmm. spring equinox, signing a contract to start working on what we agreed as a working title, UFOs, the ET factor, to go beyond where I had left off with a strange harvest. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine... I was thrilled because it was going to take me out of the straitjacket at Channel 7 where they said I couldn't do this subject anymore. So I left Channel 7 mm -hmm. and started working on that HBO project, and the entire book, An Alien Harvest, my first book, is what grew out of that whole unbelievable experience that I ran head-on into the United States government and all of their insidious ways and didn't know it at the time, but did in retrospect. They did not want me to do an hour documentary for, for Home Box Office on the subject that uh, included animal mutilations and human abductions. And uh, during that whole episode, the highlight to share today is that when Peter Gerson, who was the famous attorney in New York representing citizens against UFO secrecy, filed the first hundreds of FOIA uh, re uh, requests to all of the intelligence agencies, ended up learning that NSA, CIA, DIA, all of them had UFO classified documents, uh, took the case all the way to the Supreme Court, I think it was January of 1980, there was a uh, Supreme Court decision that uh, many of these documents were legitimately classified 
in the interests of national security and could not be released. And that was the source of the famous all-black pages that Stanton Friedman has showed Uh for years. Well, that same Peter Gersten uh, met me for dinner in New York on the night of uh, my trip to uh, sign that contract with Home Box Office. And he said, Linda, there is a story that we understand occurred in South Dakota where a security guard at Ellsworth Air Force Base had an exchange with a craft that landed at the base, uh, not grays, very human-looking humanoids came out of the craft. Security guard pulled his gun. What he said was an emerald green beam, like a laser, came from something and hit his gun. His gun evaporated. It didn't melt. It evaporated in the security guard's hand, and according to sources at Ellsworth, he only had tiny superficial burns on the hand, and nobody could understand how that was possible. Now, when did this occur? 1978, Ellsworth yeah. Air Force Base. Wow. Okay. Very much like me and Pete. Now, <laughs> now, now Ms. Howe, um, I want to well, go back. I'll just okay. finish out this thought, and that led to Peter Gersten saying, I want to put you in touch with the military source in Albuquerque at Kirtland Air Force Base, who says that he's got witnesses to this. Uh, You uh, uh, make contact, have a meeting, I'll arrange it, and then you can follow us, Citizens Against UFO Secrecy, to South Dakota as a scene in your home box office documentary. Uh, A a terrific win-win proposal, and uh, the rest is history. We we can talk about more. Well, and and it's taken you around the world. Uh, You've been on all sorts of uh, world-class documentaries those you've produced you've been featured in other things and uh, you've always had a reputation as someone who is trying to search for truth go out in the field collect data see what the data tells you in investigate people who are eyewitnesses and uh, uh, it's just really exciting to have you here as someone who's actually uh, mixing it up generating new data every week uh, right. every day you're working in a field it's uh, you're not resting on your laurels of work you did 20 years ago you're constantly advancing the knowledge we're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, not sure what to make of this bionic. Okay. We uh, have a very short period of time to wrap up. Really, this last segment talked about her, her basic credentials. She's yes. well-respected, done work for ABC Television, mm-hmm. uh, HBO, major news networks. Won a number of awards. And, she's yeah. uh, she's one who gets out in the field and gets dirt on her fingernails. Uh, she may come to some different conclusions than most of you, I expect, as well as ourselves. But we think it's going to be an interesting week. But we have to go, and we first have to tell Merv to come in and let our listeners uh, let, let them know how to contact us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Let's get out of here. Okay. Uh, keep in mind the, the special nature of the show this week, but uh, we think you'll find it instructive. Uh, until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time. 
as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, still a little kind of, you know, bionic. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how you spell that. Oh, uh, you know. Well, it's a special week. Uh, we have a special week with a, uh, I don't know if touchy is the right word, but a very interesting show mm-hmm. uh, from the content. We have uh, Linda Moulton Howe, who is an award-winning producer, documentary filmmaker, uh, and runs the Earth Files website, talking about the message and motives behind entities observed to be in contact with this world. Uh, and if you're wondering a little bit what's special at the show, we, we refer you back to Monday, if you can get access to futurequake.com. Uh, we have uh, a very, very popular guest on our show, well-known research investigator of UFOs, crop circles, and the like, uh, who talks about actual hard data that she's found or come access to, but shares with us a lot of information about her spiritual perception about things mm-hmm. that would differ quite a bit from traditional Christian uh, views. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just so want to make our listeners aware of that, that they aren't necessarily the views that either we or our radio station endorse. But if you're a student uh, of Bible prophecy and of the issue UFOs may play, you will find her perspective, because it's a very, very common one in the field, to be very instructive of how they process and interpret this information. So I would look at it in that light, but we need to go and let you uh, listen to the second segment of this show. So no further ado, here's Linda Moulton Howe, and we'll be right back to discuss it here on Future Quake. But I want to um, get on to something. We have some unfinished business from the last show. Uh, mm-hmm. You provided us an hour's worth of compelling information the last time you were here, but you really dropped a bomb on us right before you left us at the end of the last show with a cryptic comment that military, and it, it may not sound so much so as what you just shared at the beginning of the show, but uh, but you you said that uh, our government, that, that sources had shared with you, military sources had shared with you back in the early 80s, like around 1983 or so, that our government had evidence that some non-human entities had created human hybrid creatures that were right. dispersed throughout our population and that the U.S. and British authorities had technology, some kind of infrared technology, to somehow analyze these people and see if they were, in fact, hybrids or regular homo sapiens. Can you confirm this story, and can you elaborate any further about that? Yes, and and I remember very much that I said that going all the way back to the early 1980s when I was dealing with the government that I was just describing, that uh, one of the military people that I dealt with said, our government's greatest concern is who is walking around on this planet and looks human but is not. And then you take that sentence back from around 1983 and you jump to my third book, Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 2, And in there, there I have several uh, very detailed and in-depth accounts from people in the human abduction syndrome with all of their own drawings in which all of them experienced the process of watching the life force come out of one human body, their own or another's, be transferred the life force, which they drew, 
transferred into a series of tubes, vertical tubes, with light shining from the top and from the bottom up through the tubes, down and up through the tubes. And in the tubes, depending upon which case, the tubes were either filled with what looked like humans, including the exact replica of the human watching, as one of them said to me, extending her arms and breaking down and sobbing, Linda, I don't know who these arms are anymore. I was watching in some form while my body died that I saw myself as my body. I saw this light go into one of these tubes where there is another body that looks just like me, and that's the body I think I'm in, but what was watching? And you can imagine mm-hmm. the confusion of this. There were other cases where people saw the same exact, all the drawings are the same, the same exact tube, uh, we'll call them series of tubes used for cloning, uh, preservation uh, of life forms, and that in some of the cases, the bodies inside of these tubes look distinctly non-human. Mm-hmm. So there was a mixture in some cases that the, mm-hmm. the same technology, one woman said, it looked like a room as big as a football field, mm-hmm. completely filled with row after row after row of tubes filled with humans and non-humans. Now, Okay, okay. if any of that's true then it fits into that man's statement to me so long ago in 1983 that our government's greatest concern is who is walking around on this planet, looks human, but is not. And then, obviously, the ripples from that are huge. Now, now who, this person who, had quite a bit of credentials, significant credentials yes. that told you this. Yes, and reinforced later on by all of these people in the abduction syndrome syndrome of which I featured the most in-depth ones in Glimpses Volume 2. Mm-hmm. And the, it raises then the, the very question, who is inside Saddam Hussein? Who is inside Osama bin Laden? Who is inside question. George Bush and Cheney? And around the world you can go saying when it comes to planetary geopolitics and wars and struggles, how much of it is actually provoked, monitored, and manipulated by non-human intelligences we never see? Uh, Miss Howard, are you aware that in the book of Daniel, one of the oldest books in the Bible, one of the most famous images in all the Bible is the prophecy of the statue that shows all the kingdoms of the world until the end of time. And at the end, it shows the feet that, that are made of iron mixed with clay and ten toes which were explained by the angel to represent ten kingdoms at the, the end of the world uh, that are in power over the whole world. And it expl- the angel explains that the iron mixed with clay, it, it says that they shall mix themselves with the seed of men. Huh. Now, I did not know that. That is, if you grab your King James Bible and, and you look back in the book of Daniel, the statue of the chat, that, that the power, the powers that run the world, the kings and their, and their offshoots, are said very clearly in the Bible. It says that it was represented the mixing, mm-hmm. that they shall blend themselves with the seed of men. Mm-hmm. And I know you've talked in your book about uh, the Nephilim, about the book of Enoch and what happened right. with these experiments prior to the flood. And you know the Nephilim existed after the flood as well too. 
But but you can go in orthodox uh, religion and find evidence that would support what you're just saying, particularly in that as days get to the to the end of days, that there will be exposure, that they will have influence in these high places. It, r- related to this, uh, to pursue this topic further, there's a gentleman, Dr. David Jacobs. Are, right. are you familiar with his work? Oh, yeah. Uh, I knew him back in the 80s. Yeah, professor at Temple University. Uh, his doctoral dissertation at University of Wisconsin was in UFO-related areas. As I understand, he was sort of a trailblazer in terms of peer-reviewed research papers on this topic. In well, hi- history. That, that's what he contributed yeah. was the history, UFOs right. in America. Well, in, in some research that he did on, on abductees, uh, and I just saw it listed again in a book by Dr. Lynn Marzulli called The Alien Interviews, uh, th- uh, this gentleman, Dr. Jacobs, said that the, all the abductees uh, that he had interviewed uh, observed that their captors had been creating and breeding generations of hybrid creatures and that these abdu- abductees were regularly queried to see if they could determine the difference between the hybrids and regular humans that they would mix them with, and that each they, as they came back, they would see different generations of these hybrids that had been bled, bred, and they would test them. And when they could not tell the difference between the humans and the hybrids, they seemed to be particularly pleased. And so the, the, the feeling that these abductees had in their interviews was that there was an attempt to try to blend in and, in a sense, deceive by, by making it completely unaware. And I know you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. that there's some government authorities that say they have some kind of instrumentation, infrared or something, right. where That's they right. can do that, uh, where they can actually pick this out, but the average person cannot. Is well, this data here. consistent with the data you compiled, and do you have any comments on the motives behind these kind of tactics? We're in huge, gigantic subjects. Uh, but what I'll do is I'll bring it up to the modern day, that in 1999 and then again around 2003, a friend that I know in Wiltshire, England, he actually uh, lived in Manchester, and I think he now lives in Wiltshire, but he would go to the fields of uh, Wiltshire, England every summer going all the way back to the 90s with his video camera. He was a graphic artist. He had a professional life, but he was so interested in the crop formations and the geometries that he would spend all of this time in the summer in Wiltshire, and he captured on videotape year after year after year remarkable, mysterious lights, military helicopters, Mm. in which you can see white lights moving in the crop low helicopters where a formation is. I mean, he has astounding videotape, and he was warned by somebody who went and scared the heck out of him and told him that he was not to share these videotapes, and he was not to have them go out into the public, and and for a while, he was just petrified, but he kept uh, doing his video work. And then... Uh, he started talking with me and others about trying to get these documentaries out, and another man approached him, and he had more courage, and uh, he asked uh, this one man from the government who had introduced himself as working with MI5 or MI6, what is the truth about these mysterious lights in the crop circles and all of you uh, bringing helicopters? What, What is going on? Why do you do that? And he said, the guy said, we are using an infrared technology 
in which we can see the mysterious lights, whether they can be seen by the human retina or not, and we chase them because we do not want them here making crop formations, but he would not explain why. And then later on, uh, Andy Buckley heard from another guy in the government remembering that Buckley is talked to because he has all of these powerful videotapes, and somebody doesn't want him to show them and said that, uh, again, repeating like what I had heard in the 1983, that they were using infrared technology from satellites and helicopters to help them distinguish not only the mysterious lights, but who might be human and not human. Wow. Well, thank you for elaborating what that is. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, kind of perplexed, bionic. Okay. Well, uh, we proceeded in our discussion here with Ms. Howe about something she talked about on our last show, mm. about uh, government officials who had shared with her the fact that there were hybrids, these alien-human hybrids in our population yeah. and that were indiscernible, which is actually consistent with other data, including Lynn Marzulli's uh, reports with uh, uh, Dr. David Jacobs. Uh, and what he had found about uh, people who had had these events encountering things, who had seen hybrids and they were partially discernible or not discernible from mm-hmm. Americans. She confirmed what she said at the end of our last show she had been on, but then it got sort of strange, talking about taking their life force yeah, out was, and putting it in some other body. Yeah, I wasn't and, sure what to make of all that. Yeah, I, I wasn't too sure of that. It reminded me a little bit of what uh, we hear Tom Forn talks about, how the Nephilim, want to actually create bodies without souls Yeah, that they can inhabit. It's not a dog and it's not a cow. What is it? It doesn't have the spirit of a dog or a cat. I don't know if that's related at all. I don't know what to make of it. Mm -hmm. It's just that these these are weird, strange days. You are not kidding. And what is weird is that some of these things sort of relate. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, take it for what it's worth. Uh, She says she's just reporting the information given to her by the government and other people who have experienced these things. Mm -hmm. Um collect data, run it through the Bible, see what you think of it. Um, We're going to have some more fascinating discussions like this. So no further ado, here is Linda Moulton Howe, and we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quick. You you know what I just shared with about uh, what what the testimony is of these other abductees, Um, why do you think these entities, based upon all the data that you've reviewed over the years, why would they be so deceptive in trying to put these people that are hybrids in that we couldn't distinguish who they are mixed among us. Do you have any idea why that would be? It's an excellent question. It is a question that has haunted me since the 1980s when it began to be very clear to me, uh, not just that man's statement to me in 1983, but talking with people in the human abduction syndrome who said they had met their doppelgangers. They would be on a craft and the beings, almost as if on purpose, wanting the humans to come back and report that that somebody, it looked like them, came walking toward them, and they were introduced, and they looked identical. And in fact, Dave Jacobs and Bud Hopkins, uh, I believe it was some meeting that I was back east, where they were talking about the doppelganger effect in the human abduction syndrome. It began, it became clear to me that if this cloning tube technology is being used by very advanced intelligences to make any matter form that they want in which they can monitor 
control, provide missions. It's essentially like having uh, sophisticated androids. If you can make something, project your own consciousness into it, have it walk on any planet anywhere in the universe and completely undetected, then then it's the perfect um, – I started to say invasion, and that sounds too insidious. It's the perfect way to monitor life forms that you might have had something to do in their creation and to affect geopolitical events and do a myriad of other things on planets without the surface life of those planets understanding that they're ever being monitored. That would be the reason for the secrecy that the the advanced intelligences don't want the new, that would in our case would be human, they don't want the new intelligences to wake up and understand what they're doing because it might affect whatever their agenda is. And now we're to the bigger question of agendas. Mm-hmm. What What could possibly be the relationship of this planet to maybe, let's just pick a number, say three major non-human groups. They may not even get along. They may come from three different galaxies. I don't know. But that three completely different types coming and going on this planet with bases underground probably for uh, billions of years or, or millions, hundreds of millions of years, And when you begin to think about things in that scale and you realize what a recent earth, recent life human humans are, we're we're very recent on the surface of a 4.6 billion year old planet. We're only 1.6 million as hominids. Mm -hmm. We're only 35,000 years old as the current Cro-Magnon Homo sapiens sapiens. Okay, given that... It means that we're dealing with intelligences that had been here for millions and millions and millions of years before hominids ever stood up. That means that whatever the agendas are, which could range from the practical mining of metals, quite literally, as Zechariah Sitchins has suggested about the Anunnaki's Mm. interest in Mm. Earth, all the way to perhaps one of the most provocative notions ever presented to me, was by Raymond Fowler, who ran the mm-hmm. uh, planetarium and who was the chief investigator of the Betty Andresen cases that mm-hmm. produced six books. Uh, I think it's one of the most important cases of all time. Um, uh, in one of his, he did a, two of the of the series of six books. There are two called Watcher One, Watchers mm-hmm. One, and Watchers Two. In one of those books is a sentence that stopped me in my mind, it said, the moment of death could be the ultimate abduction. I believe I'm quoting that absolutely literal. Mm -hmm. Well, I read that sentence over like uh, 10 times trying to absorb the implication, and I just called up Ray. And we talked for two hours about that sentence and the implications with Betty Andresen and everything and what came out of that two-hour phone conversation that started with one sentence and went into these blooms of thoughts and speculation was Ray Fowler saying to me, Linda, it wouldn't have surprised me at all if we uh, ultimately learned the truth, at least about one of these groups, that the reason that they monitor 
uh, move among us secretly, uh, fly in the air secretly, everything they do is secret, is because they are monitoring what happens to the soul-spirit entity of Homo sapien at the moment of death. Now, that is a big chunk to wrap your mind around and then go the next step. Mm-hmm. Okay, the moment of death, expiration, blood pumping, brain activity ceases. But what does happen in those next microseconds and minutes that have been described by some people in near-death mm-hmm. experiences in which it appears that the we'll call it the unseen non-matter part of our livingness goes somewhere else. And what if, let's set all the religious boxes, the human religious boxes completely away. They don't exist. And let's say that we all agreed suddenly that there was a divine force and it was steady state, alpha to omega, nothing ever changed. But that that divine force was the provocateur, the creator, the cause of the matter-energy worlds in which entropy reigns, meaning that there is a bell-shaped curve of creation to height to decline to death. Mm -hmm. And that, it may be that at the moment of death, whether it's Homo sapien on this planet or grays on another planet, or tall blondes on another planet, or whatever. Right. At the moment of death, the soul-spirit entity, the frequency at which it vibrates, resonates with another dimensional frequency that is the same, but it could be that a hundred people could die at exactly the same second and not not any of them would go to the same place, but there were hmm. hundred different dimensions. Remember, my father's house, my father's house has many rooms or mansions. Mm-hmm. That there could be so many other dimensional realities related to what happens to the soul spirit entities of matter life after the moment of death and that it is that breathing in and breathing out of the life force from from the mouse to the giant all of it is what is the most important dynamic of the matter energy worlds with the divine force overseeing and interacting with all now that is a gigantic place to go in your mind but when you do and you study the human abduction syndrome and you study the betty mm-hmm. andresen case and you study my books mm-hmm. glimpses volume one and volume two in which i go into these transfer of soul spirit entities out of dying human bodies into cloned revivified bodies all of a sudden many things in the history of this planet make more sense including mm-hmm. the birth the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're back at the Future Quake Show with Dr. Future. I'm a little bit concerned, Bionic. Okay. What concerns you? Uh, well, you know, just this last this last thing, you know, where they were talking about uh, the specifics about the resurrection and stuff. and Yeah. Um, I, I just don't... I, I, I want to say that we really did agonize about 
you know, what we were going to do. Well, she uh, has taken what she's heard, and this is mostly her speculation in this segment, Mm -hmm. taken a little bit of information she's heard, which we don't know any kind of verification or not, and she's put a cosmology, a spiritual uh, order of things. Yes, I was very surprised by that. because And has sensed to take the need to put Jesus in the middle of of it. Yeah. But it involves... uh, it almost sounds a little bit like reincarnation and something that ETs want to be there to see us when we yeah, die. It's a very it's 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 very akin to a lot of what you know, I think the the Raelians or may, maybe even the Hale Bop mm-hmm. yeah, believe. Yeah. It does have actually. some and, and certainly the new age groups uh mm-hmm. that speak and I'm, we're not trying to, to disparage Linda Moulton Howe, it's well, just that she, uh, the views that she shares there. with it I appreciate her sharing personally. Um, differ very, very much from what we see as a Christian worldview. And she'll make some comments over the next few days about problems she has with the Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll find it very useful because she is expressing a view of a large number of people who are dissatisfied with Christianity for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the gospel was not made clear to them or, or some reason mm-hmm. or maybe just a refusal to accept it. But nevertheless, they've put together a much more complex scenario, more complex than I can understand. To yeah. try to explain these things. It dizzies my mind. Uh, it makes me very thankful for all the shots that people take at the Bible that we have a firm foundation to stand on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then what God chooses to share in that word is something we can rely on. I hope all of you all re- uh, remember that as well, too. Uh, but still find this interesting as a glimpse of what a significant part of our population struggles with and something indicative of what they think about. And hopefully, by your education, you'll be better able to relate to them and to share the good news with them. So, no further ado, uh, we need to bring Merv in. Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how to contact us at FutureQuake? FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Let's get out of here. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your patience during this very special show. We hope you pick some nuggets out that you find intriguing. Until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom. Not entirely sure what to make of all of this stuff. Bionic. Even more than normal, right? Way more than normal. The reason why is that we have a very unique show going on all this week. It's with Linda Moulton Howe, uh, an investigative journalist, uh, producer of documentaries, and uh, runs the earthfiles.com website talking about the message and motives behind entities observed to be in contact with this world. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Normally, she talks about um, just data she finds at crop circles or or animal mutilations or things like this, something about UFOs. And we've sort of been doing UFOs this summer. And uh, as we said at the beginning of each of our shows, because we want to make sure new listeners understand 
that what you're going to hear from Miss Howe regarding she she gets into the field of her personal beliefs of spiritual things related to it mm-hmm. that we don't any more than any of our other guests necessarily endorse ourselves or the radio station what she shares. Yeah, this was um, and we had debated w- about airing it in a Christian form, but the reason we did was that our our listeners typically are trying to find out what are the main influences in the world today, mm-hmm. thinking uh, what sort of the cultural worldview. And this yeah. is a segment of a population that what she shares re- represents about uh, the spiritual side of what these ETs are. And we hadn't anticipated going into that so much on this show, yeah, at least her personal views. A little views. bit shocking, to be honest. A little of her personal views, but, yeah. but I think there's something we can be learned about how investigators who you see on TV and, and report mm-hmm. may process and interpret the information they have. Mm-hmm. And those of us who have a biblical worldview, it's very, very important to understand that, that they do that. And uh, those are students of prophecy. There may be some things you find out in this interview, uh, and others we do, that suggest you may be able to recognize um, how things sort of play out in the days ahead. Yeah. Uh, and particularly in the view of a large part of the population and how they're going to interpret these things. So we hope you take it in that light. We just want to make sure you understand that clearly. We ended on a weird note yesterday uh, when Miss um, Howe was talking about uh, her own world uh, world view of what happens after death and beyond and transporting mm-hmm. other dimensions and then brought in something related to Jesus and his crucifixion. Yeah, which I, that was a very... Sort of, I didn't know where that came from. She at did all. not elaborate on further, and we sort of switched gears in this yeah, next segment. Important. But uh, we'll, we will uh, try to find out more about what she was getting at, uh, maybe at some time. But uh, we we move on in a different segment here. More uh, in, intriguing, perplexing information. Uh, we think you'll find it fascinating. But um, we will come back and discuss it further in a few minutes on our next segment of Future Quake. Well, well, let me let me comment on that just a little bit. Um, you know, these entities have already mentioned to these people who've witnessed, and there's there's tons of testimony that's been archived on these people, and it's fairly consistent that that these characters are actually creating an act of deception, that they are deceiving the public by doing things that they don't let their origins be known. And you could argue whether it's benevolent or not. But, you know, both you and we and many others argue that our own government deceives us. And sometimes they deceive themselves in thinking they're doing something benevolent on our behalf and in a Cold War thinking that it's best that the public not know. But we know most of the time when deceptive things go on, they they do not turn out benevolent and they do not work well. The other problem is that when someone already is, is known, whether their own confession or not, to be deceptive, the question then comes is that the other information they're providing on us, is any of it trustworthy and something that can be reliable on the information they're providing to us. In other words, they, while we know they're a, they're a deceptive character, whether it's someone we personally know or these entities, and then they tell us that this is the version of reality, what's going on, it seems to me we always have to maintain an air of skepticism that if they imply any kind of benevolent motives, that their, their spirits are already deceptive. So uh, I would think we would have to be very skeptical of any kind of positive motives they w- might have if, if deception is uh, fair game as part of their process? It's a very fair and legitimate question to raise, and it is why I have uh, a deep disagreement with what's now called the exopolitical movement or crowd. Um, these are people who have written books and have conferences, and they talk about how we must have ambassadorship that interfaces between humans and extraterrestrials. Um, my question to them, 
And my question has always been as an investigative reporter, how can we frame ambassadorships? How can we frame uh, political agendas unless we know the truth about the agendas of the non-humans? Mm-hmm. And that's basically something. Okay, so I have uh, great caution about accepting A, B, C, D, E explanations from varieties of sources, but it seems to me that we're having a discussion on your radio program today in the spirit of let's talk about the wide range of what appears in this phenomena, what it might imply since none of us have the gut-rot answers. But if, to me, the value of what I just said was if it if any of what we're dealing with is actually studying like scientists what happens to the soul spirit at the moment of death that is a gigantic challenge and it opens up the reason for why there would be so many other dimensional aspects to this phenomena and it also might explain why there their deception is not to kill us. Their deception would be that they didn't want humans to wake up to the fact that their religions had actually been manufactured and provoked and overlaid on the human population as part of the experiment to see in certain belief systems where would those souls go at the moment of death versus other humans in other belief systems. So every single thing in the geopolitical structure of humanity could be because there is an intelligence that is struggling to find the truth about something as vast as what happens to the soul spirit at the moment of death. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Nick Redfern uh, told me once as an aside that uh, uh, Air Force and other similar military officials uh, often will confront abductees shortly after they come public with your experience, and they'll follow up with them and ask them if the entities ask about Jesus Christ right. or other biblical doctrines. And right. that and this is military people saying this, and they have told him that the military is internally convinced that this phenomena is spiritual in nature, and in fact demonic was the word that they used. And this is Nick Redfern, who I thought everyone disagrees, you know, in different parts in the in the field. But he he's known to pretty much call it like he sees it. Is this consistent with other data that you've compiled? This is a confession well, from the military com- itself. It's very very complex. If you read from cover to cover, my third book, Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume Two, there is a very very important section in the chapter the first big chapter called Military Voices, and it is a section in which I reprinted from computer disks that were sent to me from people who remained anonymous, but through an intermediary that I knew very well and had known for years and years. And the intermediary, it would take too long to explain everything. Mm -hmm. I'm just cutting to the chase of the content. The intermediary had been approached by these two gentlemen, one of which showed him a national security agency ID, and the other showed him a defense intelligence agency ID. That's unusual for for these people who 
would work counter intel or work intel to show a civilian ID. Mm-hmm. But my friend is absolutely as honest as the day is long. I trust him implicitly, mm-hmm. and he said that's what they showed him with fo- the photo. They were photo badges, mm-hmm. photo IDs, and they matched the two men, and they specifically asked to get in touch with me in a method in a method that would be safe and protect them. And that's how we came up with FedExing uh, these. Uh, back then, they were floppy disks. Hmm. And I uh, put all everything, I did not withhold anything, is in the Military Voices chapter of Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 2, High Strangeness, of everything they sent me. And one of the most interesting pieces, I'm wondering if, if I can put my hands... Hello? Are you there? Yes. <laughs> yeah, sorry. My, <laughs> I pulled the phone off on the floor. I was afraid I the men thought, in black got you. No, I just thought maybe I could get to it fast uh-huh. enough that I could share this because it goes exactly to the heart of your question having to do with the issue of demonic, benevolent, and uh, all of that. And I may be coming to mm-hmm. it here shortly. And what they were suggesting to me is that I needed to get certain books. They gave me book titles. Get get this. This is for real. Having to do with Mesopotamian devils. Well, it it turned out. Here here Mm -hmm. it is. Here it is. This is on. Pages 123, 124, 125, 126 to 127 of my mm-hmm. uh, book, Glimpses, Volume 2. One view from alleged government insiders, 1994. A trusted research colleague I have known since the early 1980s called me in May 1994, and I go into the story that I've just told you. And then... The following is verbatim text of a floppy disk printout, dated June 21, 1994, Dear Ms. Howe. And they're talking about my uh, book, my, my Glimpses, Volume 1, and they go on with a lot of nice things to say and various things that I had pointed out having to do with crop formations, animal mutilations, human abductions, different types, and so forth. That was all in Glimpses Volume mm-hmm. 1. And then they go into the concept of these events, real though they are, being the result of extraterrestrial beings, is a masterful piece of disinformation to divert attention away from the real source of the non-human entities. Hmm. Our information as to the true nature of these events does not negate the possibility of extraterrestrial life, but the causal source of the UFO and UFO abduction phenomena is not extraterrestrial. We're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, uh, feeling a little strange about this whole stuff, bionic. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we stayed focused a little bit after sort of the 
the strange ending to the yesterday's show, mm-hmm. uh, talking about this this idea of the uh, Mesopotamian devils. That was this very information she was yeah. given to her that that's sort of a connection. And in fact, in our biblical worldview, there may be something there. Mm-hmm. We certainly know in the last days that there are demons that are released from the Tigris and Euphrates that go and assemble an army. Well, it's very interesting. It's very interesting too because I've been studying somewhat the. Um, uh, you know Michael Heiser's contention that the the seventy nations that were divided mm-hmm. there after Nimrod were in fact uh, spiritual, uh, where God sort of steps into the background a little bit, and He appoints these other, you know, the Benai Elohim to sort of run things. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is a whole other show, but yeah. I always recommend listening to Mike Heiser. Sure, He's always an interesting sure. talk, and he takes straight of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, in the Bible, it talks about these these angels that actually are risen up in Revelation, and they have an army of how many? It was a hundred, two hundred million. Most people, have, I've heard prophecy teachers say, "Well, that must be the Chinese army." Well, it doesn't say anything about Chinese yeah. army. And in fact, I even wonder if some of these may be uh, sort of spiritual creatures, because Tom Horn has pointed out that the passages in the Old Testament talk about the kings rising up from the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I can see they may be coming for judgment. Uh, there, mm. there may be something that the, you know the angels come down, the abyss opens. There's a lot of strange things that we don't see on a normal Tuesday afternoon that happen during this. Mm-hmm. So, have no idea if this has any relevance at all to what yeah. it is. But these are some amazing information that comes out that may yeah. have some connection to scripture. Indeed, we'll let you all be the judge of that. We're getting ready to get into a. Probably one. I don't know how to say this, but even one of the strangest sections of yeah. this interview, um, where we talk about what the Bible has to say about our history and about the flood and Noah, uh, versus Linda's position, which is a very very different view than the Bible. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm not quite sure how she comes to some of those conclusions. No, to be uh, perfectly honest. But that's what you're going to hear next. Is, is she's going to have a different view, a spin on things. Yeah. And I wouldn't be shocked if that view becomes more popularized in the days ahead. But oh, we'll let sure. we'll let of you course. judge for yourself, though. Yeah. We'll let the people listen. Until then, we'll come right back and we'll discuss that here on Future Quake. The so-called Roswell crash of 1947 did indeed occur, and debris of a non-earthly type was found, as were non-human bodies. Although in our position we cannot speak with authority, we believe that there is a basis in truth for Bob Lazar's story of government-held craft. And then they repeat, however, the origin is not extraterrestrial. And I made a note in this book when I wrote it, and it was published, and it says, Howe's note, time travelers from our future or beings in other dimensions might not be considered extraterrestrial in a biology from another solar system definition. But we would still consider time travelers and other dimensionals to be extraterrestrial. Right, so you now, can quibble. You can quibble about definitions. Now, now, can you clarify the Mesopotamian connection? That is the Anunnaki. Mesopotamia was what today we call Iran and Iraq. Mm-hmm. Mesopotamia was the geographic area of modern Iran, Iraq. It was known as Mesopotamia, or was the capital, and the Anunnaki. Mm-hmm were the so-called gods that lived among the roly-poly humans. Now, that's historic fact. That has no, absolutely nothing to do uh, with so-called UFO 
uh, phenomenon mm-hmm. and, and modern literature. That's just straightforward. Uh, Budge was the great, great archaeologist from uh, the 1900s. Uh, he actually was uh, investigating Iran and Iraq from the end of the 1800s into the early 1900s, and he published the best work. Budge is still considered the creme de la creme right. of archaeologists, and he is the one I quote right. also in Glimpse's volume two, as, uh, talking about the capricious, alleged capricious gods in some, in Iran, in Iraq, is Samaria. Samaria is, is, would have been another name for, uh, the culture in, in Mesopotamia. Mm. And, th- and that they were so capricious and they were violent and they made the humans do their bidding. Wow. And that's, that is not inconsistent with the traditional biblical belief. If you look in the book of Revelation in the last days, it says that there are, uh, I believe, four angels that are released mm-hmm. from that whole area of the Tigris and Euphrates, and they lead an army that conquers and kills one-third of the earth. Hmm. But it originates from that same area. And even if you look at the great city Babylon, it says that it's the home of every unclean bird and unclean spirit uh, that's there. So there is a some kind of geographical connection, Miss Howe. With, with what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, and it's still the same Middle East festering sore today. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And those those spirits are, are in behalf. In fact, uh, back to the book of Daniel again, you'll hear those spirits, including the the uh, the prince, it's called the angelic prince of Persia, battling with the prince of other nations like Israel and others, uh, showing that there was a spiritual battle that was over the people that was reflected in what was going on on the ground. Um, are you familiar with um, a concept in, in tr- traditional Christianity called the Proto-Evangelion? Does I that, don't does that ring I've a bell? ever heard that, no. It's a fancy word for a very simple concept. And it goes back uh, from the narrative in the book of Genesis of the fall uh, when the curse is given out after there's been a fall, there's been a fall from grace, uh, sin has occurred, and there's a curse given out to the serpent and to the, to the woman and the man. And, and uh, God in the garden makes a pronouncement. He says that the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent will be an enmity uh, from here on. And that uh, uh, the seed of the serpent would strike the heel of the seed of the woman and he would crush his head. And there are some who teach that if you, re- if you keep that in perspective, the rest of the narrative of the Bible makes a lot of sense. And the reason I bring this up, it ties back to this whole recurring topic about biological material, DNA material, about bloodlines and hybrids, because it becomes very clear if you read uh, the, the passages in Genesis chapter 6, and then it's further amplified in places like the Book of Enoch, about an attempt to uh, mess with the purity of the bloodline of humanity. And there was a concept that's taught in, in Scripture. It was used actually by the, the regular populace in the Middle East, a concept of a kinsman redeemer. And a kinsman redeemer had to be someone of the same biological family that actually paid the price because of some guilt or crime that someone else in their family had done. And so th- this was uh, taught and instructed uh, to, to basically be a foreshadowing of what, what Christians, and Jews and Christians, in fact, believe that there is a price to be paid uh, that a that a cosmic kinsman redeemer 
of the, the same bloodline and DNA of the fallen race of humanity must be preserved and come forward to die for the human race. And when you consider that and you look at what was going on with genetic manipulation, trying to, to uh, modify humankind right before the flood and how grievous it was, and, and it gives indication that forced God's hand. Uh, and, and I know there's a point in your book, because I did read your book. It's absolutely fascinating. I recommend everybody go to earthfalls.com and get it. But it suggests that uh, 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 Noah himself may have been tainted by this process, this interbreeding process. But it says very clearly in the Bible that uh, Noah was pure in his generations. And it makes it a point to, to point out that he and his seed, his children after him, may have been the only remaining untainted people through which this DNA of the kinsman redeemer still preexisted. Uh, and then after the flood, of course, they're delivered. And you see these same creatures, the Nephilim that you talk about in your book, it says are back in the land trying to stop this promise in that area, again, the hotbed of the Middle East. Uh, and in fact, would would even interbreed with people that were part of this bloodline from Noah, and it makes a very clear narrative within Orthodox Christianity. But this whole idea about this bloodline is very important. We're back here at Future Quake with Doctor Future and Tom Bionic. All right. Um, well, we're well into the discussion. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, our one of our more interesting segments will actually start at the beginning of tomorrow. So mm-hmm. we're going to have. Uh, a little bit of a dispute about the situation with Noah. I think we actually cut off before yeah. that particular time here. But we did talk about uh, the, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, the Proto-Evangelion or Evangelion. I, mean, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, which is really the, relates to the fallout of the curse in the garden of mm-hmm. the, the man, the woman, and the serpent. And the promise, it's, I guess the first promise in the Bible, that the seed of the serpent would strike the heel of the seed of the woman and she would crush his head. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you, but, but most every church I've been in around teachers, they read that, and most people just skate right on by that. Yeah. They don't really, I mean, they might make an allusion to Jesus Christ, but they don't recognize that that battle is, is foreshadowed in just about every major event in the Bible. Mm-hmm. That it's really the, the recurring theme that, that occurs. Well, my it's, it's interesting you mention that, because my Bible, Bible studies have really led me into looking at Within each passage that I read, the the grand battle of good and evil that's going on that we, you know, like if you tell somebody that about about your Bible study, they go, oh, of course, but they almost never read into what you know what's going on there. Right, right. You know, that's right. And uh, they glaze over passages; they don't really get into them. And you know, when we hear people like Linda Moulton Howe give her religious views, which again we didn't really expect when when mm-hmm. we began the show, uh, her personal things. If we don't understand these things in the Bible, one is we can be confused ourselves. And secondly, sometimes we miss an opportunity to give plausible explanations to people who have yet to find it in the Bible mm-hmm. from their exposure to it if they're not mm-hmm. Christians. So I think this, this whole interview is a classic case where it behooves us to really make every effort possible to try to understand these complicated things to have a ready answer. Mm-hmm. And that comes a theme over and over again on our show, doesn't it? Indeed. Have a ready answer for these complicated, maybe uncomfortable topics, because you're going to talk to people that are that are very educated, like Miss Howe, very well respected, who have a different view in the Bible. It's going to really go into that at the beginning of the next day show, but uh, w- there are answers from biblical scholars to a lot of these weird things that we hear phenomena in the mm-hmm. world today that are reported, and the Bible has comments on them, at least possible solutions. 
that that we could consider. And hopefully we cover that a little bit more in our show. There you have it. Any other last words on, on what she shared before we go on? Well, gosh, it's all sort of swimming through my head like a big foggy milkshake. Okay. Uh, but um, it has been a while since you used the milkshake analogy. Well, i got to throw it in there. Yeah, okay. But it this is, is definitely in that. This is definitely thick and it's gooey. like a frosty. Yeah, it's very much like a frosty. Well, probably our listeners, too, are feeling that way. For our new listeners to Future Quake, if you just happen to stumble in on the radio, I want to assure you that some of the thoughts and communications he had are not the regular opinion of Future Quake. Or the uh, or WENO. Or WENO, or our, our station. But uh, we, we interviewed this person who's an expert in the field investigation work and who took time to actually share with us our... Her, her personal views, spiritual views, and we thought it might be instructive for people to hear it, mm-hmm. think about it, yeah. and contrast it to what the Bible has to say. We but did have a lot of discussion about it, too, to be honest. That's right, yeah. before we did yeah, this. Sure. And we'll look forward to your feedback. And in fact, someone who could tell you how to contact us is Merv. So, Merv, tell them how they can contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. We're running over. All right. Out. Ladies and gentlemen, come back tomorrow. Uh, we'll, we've got two more days of this interview. Until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. Not sure what to do with this whole week, Bionic. All right. Well, at least you've been pretty consistent yeah. in the general nature of your middle names this week. Well, I mean, I'm, there's a lot going on in my head. Yeah, and I'm sure our listeners, too, if they've been listening all week. Yeah. Uh, if you are a new listener to Future Quake, either on the radio or via the Internet, I just wanted to let you know that this is a very, very different week in this show. Um, we have uh, award-winning uh, uh, video documentary producer and investigator Linda Moulton Howe, uh, who also runs a very popular Earth Files website, a regular fixture on cable television and overnight radio, uh, talking about the message and motives behind entities observed to be in contact with this world. Uh, she is a leading figure of reporting data around the UFO phenomena, crop circles, uh, cattle mutilations, this kind of thing, and has done interviews and other research on the kind of message that supposed entities have. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating book. Her book is called, uh, uh, what was it, Glimpses of Other Worlds, Volume 2, High Strangeness. Yeah. It's a strange book, but it is not a Christian book. Uh, it doesn't take a Christian worldview toward things. Um, mostly the book takes sort of a generic research Here's the information that was given to us standpoint yeah. with a little bit of interpretation. Yeah. However, in this interview, well, it's very, it's she very takes different. liberties. She it's takes liberties to share her personal beliefs, mm-hmm. which was something unanticipated. Um, gave us a little bit of a question on how we want to handle this and package it for the radio, mm-hmm. particularly for people not used to this type of information. Mm-hmm. So we just want you to understand that uh, uh, this interview, we're playing it as is. 
uh, with a little bit more commentary than normal from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want you to understand it's not necessarily the views of ourself or the radio station, particularly some of the uh, spiritual views she shares, which would be outside of the mainstream of, of Christian thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll have some commentary on it. Um, if you're a student of Bible prophecy or just what people are thinking these days out in the world about some of these things, mm-hmm. I think you'll find it instructive because she takes some of this information and tries to package it on what at least people in certain sectors of studying this field think. And then we can look at it from a biblical view. So with no further ado, here's Miss Linda Moulton Howe. We'll be back very shortly to discuss it here on Future Quake. And I find it very interesting when, when you have a lot of testimony by Jim Sparks. It's fascinating testimony in the book. But he talks about how they would paralyze uh, paralyze him or, and, and have agonizing torture, you know, to get the subjects to comply with their demands, which is very, very similar to what you read in Revelation when the abyss, it's a dimensional abyss, evidently, that opens. You see the smoke and uh, uh, things that come out when a, a dimensional portal opens. And you see these hybrid creatures that sound very much like the reptilians that are described in your book that actually torment people just in the same way that these aliens do and that these people are in essence paralyzed because it says they seek death but can't find it. So I just wonder if you find it interesting that even Orthodox Christianity can have something that sort of explains some of this cutting-edge information that you've uncovered. Well, I guess I would have been surprised if there weren't remnants. (laughs) And uh, um, I think there's something really important, though, and interesting to discuss about Noah. And I do go into this also in Glimpses Volume 2. And here is the kicker. There is a line of men stretching back through Methuselah and so forth who lived, I believe the longest was 979 years or something, Methuselah. I can't remember, but it gives all of those years of yeah. their lives. He was the, the longest, longest lived, 969 years. 69. Mm-hmm. And that Noah is the end of that chain of the long-lived. And according to biblical literature and and everything that's taught, there was some sort of a great cataclysm on earth that's associated with rain and a flood and that the, uh, the force of life or God or whatever you want to call it communicates, we might say extraterrestrials, communicates to Noah that this is coming and that he must build this ark in order to save and preserve all of the life on the planet. Well, we know that you couldn't build a ship and take all of the life forms on Earth and put them in a ship. Mm -hmm. So you have to assume that these are metaphorical words for perhaps an extraterrestrial communicating telepathically to this character Noah about some kind of maybe a craft in which the genetic material of all of Earth's life could be stored before this cataclysm. Then you've got an ark, but you don't have the nursery day school story in which it's impossible to imagine uh, all of these animals and humans on one sh- one boat at sea. It, it d- doesn't compute. So let's assume that it's something quite advanced technology, that it is a library of the genetics of the Earth at the time of Noah, and that Noah and his family are preserved by being taken up into this object, this craft. Well, the rest of the story as it unfolds in biblical literature is that the Noah, after the flood, repopulates the earth. What is not said is that would mean that every single human being from Noah on 
would have the identical bloodline of what would have been a hybridization between extraterrestrials and humans that created the long-lived hybrid. That would be from Methuselah to Noah, and the next stage of Earth life would be post-Noah, all hybrids. Hmm. Now, now that would be, that interpretation would be counter to the biblical record about the purity of, of Noah's seed. Is there some reason that we should believe that that would be what, what you described as far as the, the, the tainted uh, DNA of Noah and the preserved humanity would be a more likely scenario than, than the biblical record? It's different definitions. See, the definition depends on whose point of view you're defining. If, in fact, non-human intelligences have been harvesting genetic material from this planet for 270 million years, and the current Homo sapien is only uh, 35,000 years old, then everything that has been on Earth could have been tweaked genetically depending upon what these other, uh, these other non-human intelligences have wanted to do with the Earth. And it means then that the creation of Homo sapien, according to that briefing paper that I've discussed in my books on radio, uh, and I think a little bit with you, in 1983 at Kurland Air Force Base, I was shown this alleged briefing paper for the President of the United States that said, and this is a direct quote, I've never forgotten, it's emblazoned in my mind, these extraterrestrial biological entities manipulated DNA in already evolving primates to create Homo sapiens. Mm -hmm. If that's true, then we are the most recent product. We are the most, re most recent result of extraterrestrial manipulation, not the finger of the force of God. And this is apparently where the government has felt it was over a barrel in telling the truth about the extraterrestrial story because no political leader wanted to stand up to a thousand microphones and say, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, to let you know you're basically androids. Uh, the entire Earth has been uh, engineered by uh, extraterrestrials. Uh, we can't control them, but we don't think that they uh, mean us any harm. And that is where... I, what I told you is what I think is the truth. Mm -hmm. Overlaid have been all of the religious histories, of which we're discussing the Christian one, that probably were set in motion by the very beings that set life afoot on this planet. And that where we are today is a huge question about who are humans, why are they so violent, why are they so self-destructive? What is the truth about all of the various literatures of the world, whether it is Islam, whether it is Hindi, whether it is Buddhist, whether it is Christian, regardless of what it is, what is the reason for the descriptions of ancient battles between angelic realms? What is that all about? I think that is the deepest mystery, not what has come down and been passed in human life. I don't think that human literature over the last 5,000 years has presented us with real truths. You use the word, everything has been mm -hmm. deceiving. The uh, Anunnaki deceived the Sumerians and the Mesopotamians. Uh, you could go all around the world 
the Hebrew patriarchs deceived so many people when they put together the Bible. I, I'm always, it, I'm always just stunned by how many people mm. don't know that the Council of Nicaea was run by Hebrew patriarchs. I think it was 326 A.D. 300, and, I know it was somewhere around 326 after mm. the death of Christ. That's three and a quarter centuries later that these Hebrew patriarchs come together with a hundred and some hand-squalled books, and they decide as a corporation, as a group, who were in control, the patriarchal control, okay, we're going to put together a history, and we're going to allow in books 1, 5, 7, and 10, but we're not going to let in the rest. Now, I have to, I, I have to clarify here. Now, this is teaching that you hear in, in Zeitgeist and Da Vinci Code and things like this. And no, the, the Council of Nicaea is, is hard, hard. Oh, no, 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 no. You're right. It, it exists. Um, and there's a long trail of... Um, uh, basically, the, the the records and the history and the records of the books that make the biblical canon. Whether you look at the uh, the Torah, the Jewish Torah, or the Christian records afterwards, and, and and that would be ideal for a later debate because there was a long track record of the books that were selected that were part of the biblical canon. But the key, I think, that you're pointing out that is extremely important is what you're sharing is a body of information that is growing in society. It is a recollection that's happening amongst people who aren't even really interested in their topic. But when we watch television, when we watch the news, when we watch, there's a collective interest that society and humanity has in our origins and in what you're saying. Is there something yeah. out there beyond the human state? We're back at the Future Quake Show with Dr. Future. And Tom, slightly perplexed, bionic. Uh, I'm more than that. This probably, this last segment was probably like the most controversial one of the whole interview. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of any lot. of this stuff. Well, I, I don't know. Well, Linda, who is our friend, she put her cards on the table here, uh, basically disputing the story of Noah in the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, I made the point very clear that uh, it says that he was pure in his generations, of which many investigations have shown or have said, biblical scholars, that this referred to his genetic uh, yeah. seed being pure. Not all, all believe that, but that, uh, or that it refers to anything genetic at all. Mm -hmm. uh, she completely disputes that. She believes that uh, he had g genetic code of these hybrids uh, along with him and that we all are basically hybrids. Well, that kind of comes that out, that, that seems to come out of, uh, what's his name, Zachariah Sitchin's work. And she's carrying a lot of his work, although I guess she sort of disputes I, that she supports it, although that's really his story, right? Yeah. Well, it's from it sounds to me. I haven't I haven't questioned her on it, but it sounds to me that you know she's very much carrying his water. Uh, yeah. He claims, for those of you not familiar, he claims to be this biblical scholar that finds aliens in the Old Testament and in the original languages. Mm -hmm. uh, but Michael Heiser, again, who's been on our right. show, right. Uh, has a website called uh, SitchinsIsWrong.com. Mm -hmm. uh, which basically just destroys, demolishes his case, shows that right. in some, some places he even gets Arabic and uh, right. Sumerian confused. Confused. Well, I want to make some quick points in the yeah, short time we course. have here, because she said a lot of things. She really took a dig at um, the biblical record, mm -hmm. her ability to preserve the Word of God, uh, and that the Jewish patriarchs were liars in what they said. So this was about as overt a slap at Orthodox Judeo-Christianity, as I've heard, and you could, have, uh, you could have run a truck through a church, and well, it would have been and not, as, not as heavy. Tried to politely make the point that uh, that I disputed that, and so did other Christians dispute it. Yeah. 
And uh, I don't believe there's any evidence to support what she's saying versus the biblical record, particularly since we now we now have answers to explain some of these phenomena that are reporting, at least mm. plausible ones, yeah. that have much more credentials behind it. So, sure. listeners, when you heard that exchange, I mean, it's something that... that uh, it's definitely not Christian by any stretch of nature, but we wanted you to hear it because you're going to hear this more and more on TV, movies, belief, and there are answers. If you listen to Future Quake, we have other answers uh, to these questions about the veracity of God's Word, the, the preservation of a scripture, and we want you to hear that. Uh, we consider Linda a friend, but uh, this is something where we feel like uh, she's clearly wrong on. And uh, maybe we hope we can convince her. Yeah. Maybe we can hope and convince her otherwise. Yeah. We need to go to the next segment. So with no further ado, here's our next segment uh, with Linda Moulton Howe. We'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. And it's going to create a crisis of faith. And we're going to have to find I, out. See, that's where I don't get it. There is, if anything, it has increased my connection to the force that I feel as an ally in every living thing on this planet, in everything that is in the universe. My allyship with the force, the, uh, the Spanish have this beautiful name for it, pura vida, mm-hmm. pure life, the pure living force. That, to me, is reality and truth. Mm-hmm. It's been in my life since I was a child. I trust it. It has helped me. It has protected Mm me. That is what I think that the homo sapien race should be trying to ally itself with, not killing its fellow members over arguments about what God is, about what angels are, about who is good and who is bad. That's the part that to me is distorted and strange and bizarre not be such a self-destructive species. It is as if something set in motion all of these religious boxes so that the human race would fight itself and argue over the so-called truths of God, Christ, Buddha, and on and on, Krishna. And and the only thing I can come to is would be the reason for that if it's not uh, if it's if it's not destructive, if it's not demonic, if it in fact is scientific, if it, if it is right. a look at what happens at the moment of death, where do soul spirits go based right. on their choices, their lives, and everything that determines any any entity, then suddenly the last 5,000 years of insanity of setting various human beings in various islands, mountaintops, valleys, all around this planet on different so-called religious something. Linda, the question I have is, are we rather than, tr- than trusting these sacred tests and, and the word of Christ and these things, are we going to trust these beings who are pouring out the reproductive organs out of cattle and mutilating them and doing all these torturing things to people and say they're deceiving people uh, by creating these hybrids and there's person are they a more reliable record and testimony of what the ultimate cosmology of the universe is well i understand and i really truly respect the question that you are posing i'm trying to go broader i'm trying to go wider I'm trying to say, for 5,000 years, homo sapien life 
has been conditioned by control groups. There's no other way to, to describe it. Control groups, whether they were extraterrestrials or roly-poly humans, they have always been the ones who had the most barter, the most ability to control. The control groups all over this planet for 5,000 years have set in motion laws, rules, mythologies, stories, written so-called books of truth, and I step back from it and say, it doesn't make sense. If there was one truth about this universe, a life force, that is the only truth that should be applied to the entire planet, not a thousand squabbling religions all set upon killing all of the other religions. It is as if something that doesn't make sense on a human level is at play on this planet, has been at play on this planet for a long time, and that it is testing, manipulating, no question about it. Now, where, where I have a bit of a problem is characterizing an intelligence that tests, manipulates, stays out of the sunlight in front of its subjects, meaning those that are being tested, I have a hard time simply saying, okay, if they aren't among us straightforwardly, if they have created Christ and all the avatars of history as part of their big scientific tests to see where soul spirits go at the moment of death, then I don't know that I can say they're angelic or demonic. They, to me, they're simply another life form that's very advanced that has the ability to harvest genes and, and do all of this for reasons that are theirs. That is trying to go beyond the 5,000 years of history in which there have constantly been these little boxes pitted against each other called good, evil, demons, angels, and so forth. I am I have as much trouble buying that in the history of the planet as I do the idea that extraterrestrials from someplace else, another galaxy, mm-hmm. another universe would be quote unquote demonic or angelic. I think they would be neither. They can be advanced. They can be experimenting at the edges of what they most want to know about such as what happens at the moment of death in this universe. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're angelic or demonic. It doesn't necessarily mean that humans are angelic or demonic. But it may be that they're ambivalent. At best, they may be ambivalent to our overall interest. In Glimpses, Volume 2, one of the most important sentences in that communication from those uh, government people through that floppy disk, I put in italics. We are dealing with entities that are neither benign nor neutral. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say they are demonic. It says they are neither benign, and benign would mean kind and compassionate. They are not kind and compassionate. That's what are not benign, nor neutral. Neutral would mean that they had no position on us whatsoever. Not being neutral means that these government guys are trying to say to Linda Howe, we know we're dealing with intelligences that have an agenda. Mm -hmm. It's not neutral. They have an agenda. 
and they are suggesting that I study the devils, the demons of Mesopotamia. And let me tell you the book list that they gave me. They, those books only exist in the Harvard, Yale, libraries and places like that. Hmm. You can't go, go to any – I tried. I called all over the place. University of Pennsylvania, I was able to get one book through East Coast Library Loan that came out of Yale, I believe, to the University of Pennsylvania. I had to go downtown, you know, pay parking, go up three floors, sit in a room where I could look at the book and I couldn't do anything else, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that was the uh, – of a list of seven – I think it was seven books – to get access to one. And I thought, wow, we're living on a prison planet. I swear to God, this is the United States of America. And we can't even get historic books on quote-unquote Mesopotamian devils and demons. I don't know what it's about, except the one I looked, there was not one single sketch that resembled anything in the so-called modern, we'll call it the modern era of extraterrestrial biological entities. You know what they all look like? Precisely look like all of the gargoyles around all of the churches in Europe. The gargoyles is what the sketches of the Mesopotamian demons and devils look like. Mm-hmm. Not... Yeah. Not grays, not blondes, not the standing up alligators, not any of the mm-hmm. things in the modern uh, uh, Eben story. So you, I was very confused. You know, this reminds me of the story in your book. Jim Sparks is talking about these reptilians that were in front right. of him that were very right. horrifying looking, but they projected a human face on the front of them. Oh, the one guy put a hologram on it on purpose, and it made Jim feel good. And, right. and the being communicated that he knew how terrifying they were to Jim and put that hologram of a human face over this scary leader's reptilian face, which Jim drew. And then Jim said, I felt perfectly happy and fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that's even like the biblical record. It says even Satan can come as an angel of light. So when you have beings who operate in modus operandi of deception, it wouldn't be unnatural to think that their appearance is going to adjust at, at various times. We're back to Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, very strange bionic. Well, I like to get in that little Tom back. Made me feel like things are I'm, sort I'm of back to you. normal. Hey, this you. last segment was a little bit like the one prior. Uh, she took a lot of swings at... at uh, religion, organized religion, and the fact there were so many different ones, and she felt like life force made a lot more sense to her than that, although I didn't really see any proof yeah. of any of that or, or why we should believe that. But but things got back around finally back to those Mesopotamian devils yeah. that she said she Indeed. had seen in the courts. She said they looked more like gargoyles that she saw at churches that, from the pictures she saw in the literature. That's that something like, that's always protect, uh, protect me, perplexed me. That uh, you know these these churches, especially Orthodox yeah. Reformed churches, have these 
basically demonic things carved into the stone. And they're supposed to keep devils away, supposedly. But, you know, uh, I, I mentioned a story at the end about the these reptilian-type creatures that mm-hmm. put on facade faces yeah. that show they're friendly. I think that's probably the best description the Bible shares about what these evil forces do. They Indeed. come as angels of light. Yeah. Speaking of gargoyles, uh, we need Merv to come in and tell you all how to get a hold of us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're running late. Okay, let's get out. Okay, come back for the last segment with Linda Moulton Howe. Till then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, kind of whooped bionic. Get to the end of the week, you're getting a little tired? A little getting, coming around the bend here. Well, this has been a stressful show because uh, yeah. uh, we were trying to figure out how to best handle this show. If you all have been sticking with us over the week, you'll understand the mm-hmm. nature of it, that it's very, very different. It's not like we've got just another Christian author on the show. Yeah. If you're a new listener to Future Quake and you're just tuned in today, I just want to warn you what we've been warning everyone all week. That we have a guest on who's a very, very popular guest, Miss Linda Moulton Howe, uh, a documentary producer, um, has a very popular Earth Files website. She's an investigative journalist of things like crop circles and uh, cattle mutilations and UFOs and the like. Very popular on television and national radio. She's very kind to come on our show and uh, has been a friend of the show. But uh, she took a little detour from her normal discussion about evidence and facts to give her personal views yeah, uh, where did about that come the from? religion and science of it. Well, uh, the, the book that she wrote uh, related to the message uh, uh, of these ETs in mm-hmm. the spirit context. So I guess that sort of landed into her own personal view, which we didn't quite expect. Uh, it definitely deviates away from traditional Christianity. Uh, even sometimes you and I differ from what would be... Like your average Christian on the street, yet still biblical-based. But this definitely sure, deviates absolutely. from the biblical base. And yeah. she, she has been very clear this week in expressing her skepticism about the biblical record. So There's been no secrets. <laughs> we want our <laughs> listeners to know, particularly new ones, that uh, what we allow her to express her views, and we do that to educate you on what people might be thinking uh, out in the field, people you come across, uh, TV, when you hear people uh, trying to summarize what they see with this uh, E.T. kind of thing that's so popular on the television. You're going to hear her have a very typical view uh, that's a non-mainstream Christianity view. So we try to comment where we have opportunity in the show, but we'll have commentary during this segment as well. So no further ado, here's Miss Linda Moulton Howe, producer uh, and uh, operator of the Earth Files website, about the message and motives behind entities observed to be in contact with this world. And then we'll be right back to discuss it further here at Future Quake. I remember um, another gentleman, Peter Robbins, I'm sure you know, another person known in ufology, was telling me as an aside, uh, he was sort of laughing about it with some other folks, that 
that many times these creatures, when they appear to people, they will try to masquerade themselves as a dearly departed uncle or aunt who has died and come back from the other side. And sometimes their research is so bad that they say something wrong and basically disprove that they're, in fact, the person, and they confuse the contactee, and they, they laugh about it. And I said, well, why would you... Why would you trust these beings if they're obviously, and even occasionally doing a poor attempt at trying to openly deceive the people they're talking to? And they just sort of shrug it off and say, well, you know, that's them ETs. That's the way they are. So well, it's, it seems like changing me, appearance is, is, is commonplace for them. Right, it is. And shapeshifters have been in how many of our cultures going back 5,000 years? The shapeshifter is part of human life and literature. Mm-hmm. But let me just raise up something else. I remember when I was a member, I came into all of this through the single most repulsive subject, animal mutilations. And... Uh, I was interviewing a woman once, uh, I think she was in Colorado or Nebraska, somewhere in the West, when I interviewed her, but she had grown up and lived on the East Coast in the New York, New Jersey area. And she was telling me a story of being a child, like, I shouldn't say child, child, she was like nine, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to say like a little, little tiny kid. Uh, like eight or nine, ten years old, and uh, that she was outside, and she was playing, and all of a sudden, she became aware of a deer with big, beautiful eyes that was just standing on the other side of the fence staring at her. And then she doesn't remember what happened. And later on in years, there was hypnosis, and that the deer was one of the non-humans. And she said... Uh, they weren't there to hurt me, and they communicated that Mm -hmm. they appeared to me as a deer because they know that their actual forms frighten us and that they will use images that will calm us, images from our past. They can pluck images of relatives from our minds. Uh, They will use animals. They will use other things to overlay in our minds it isn't on the outside world. If somebody else mm-hmm. were standing there, they wouldn't see the deer. But to the person, they manipulate the mind so that the mind will stay calm in their presence. Mm-hmm. And I, that, to me, made a lot of sense uh, long ago. Well, mind manipulation and, is certainly another hallmark, you know, from what we've read about and discussed on this show uh, yeah. uh, of, of what are their modus operandi and you know, some of us are even worried about uh, drinking something harder than a, you know, root beer uh, to, to leave control of our faculties and to right. think there'd be other entities that uh, we might give over the control of our mind or our conscious reality uh, could, could be a little spooky at times. Uh, where, you know, what you shared with us as far as the cosmology of sort of what you're thinking things are going together is really more of a larger scope than maybe some of the defined religious systems we talk about here. Right. It's very common. You'll see that in a lot of the movies. I think a movie like Knowing that came out recently had a lot of this element to it and several other movies. And it seems like culture is going in that direction. How do you think this is all going to play out, Linda? How is it going to actually come out where, I mean, is humanity going to sort of get wind of most of this? Do you see something? happen where it's more common knowledge and what's the end game of all this I wish I could give you a definitive answer and the most I can give you is a sense and my sense is 
that our government, the English government, the allies from World War II and China, who has lots and lots of evidence, they're going to hold out till the very, very last microsecond when they can't hold out any longer because the insiders know the truth, at least the truth as is in their uh, agreed-upon documents and consensus about what we're dealing with. And they made a decision back under Franklin Delano Roosevelt that this would be too much of a shock to the social, financial, political, religious system of the planet, and it therefore a policy of denial would keep the rocking and rolling until some indeterminate time in the future when the planet had grown up enough that they could introduce the whole real truth that we're not alone in the universe and there's a lot out there that's a lot more advanced than we are, and that they would just wait and that they would abide their time generation after generation Uh, In 1983, I was told that the Majestic 12 group in the 70s had agreed that they would get the planet through three more generations. That's each generation is defined as 25 years, 75 years, 75 plus, let's say, 70 or 80 to make it easier Mm -hmm. uh, would be, be 2055. Mm-hmm. So that by 2055, we're in 2009, that they had agreed that by then, that the truth finally, or some portion of the truth, would be finally mm-hmm. opened up to this planet. Now, that is so-called government bureaucraties thinking. It doesn't mm-hmm. accommodate the possibility that we're dealing with entities who may have their own timelines and their right. own agendas mm-hmm. about what to do on this planet. And here we come to the issue of the avatars. Christ, Krishna, Muhammad, throw in Buddha, if I think, uh, and there probably are some others, but I'm trying to name the, the main avatars of history uh, there must have been a reason for why, at, in a very narrow band of the timeline of the planet, because it really actually is pretty narrow, if you go back 2,000 years to Christ, um, I think you only go not very far back in time to accommodate, I think, Krishna. I can't remember exactly. I should mm-hmm. write that down so I have that timeline in front of me. But they all happen really all together, kind of in a group, and then you go 658 A.D., mm-hmm. and you come to Mohammed. And all of a sudden, after the first group of avatars, you have another one that comes in and refers to the other group of avatars and their followers as infidels, and that the infidels must be destroyed. So suddenly, 600 and some years after the group of the first avatars, something sets in motion a destructive goal. I find that to be the most puzzling piece of Earth history. Mm -hmm. And that if the 2012 December 21st, 
winter solstice is going to be any kind of a demarcation mm-hmm. between the confusion and the blindness of the last 5,000 years and what may unfold over the next 5,000 years, my prayer would be whether governments, human governments like it or not, there would be some deus ex machina. That's the Greek, Mm -hmm. the God that comes from above. But I don't mean it in the literal sense Mm -hmm. of God. I mean information that will be shared with this planet finally about who we really are, what is really going on, who the entities are, what the avatars are, and even if it occurs in the second coming, as described, meaning that the that the body, mind, and soul of Jesus Christ would be returned in a beam of light to the earth, it would also be legitimate to stand back and say, Is this the original Jesus Christ avatar, or is this a pretend deception? And right there, we are coming full circle to all of your good questions throughout this uh, hour, Mm. to even at the levels of avatars returning, that we now live in a century in which everything is doubted, everything is suspect, doesn't matter whether it comes in beams of light or UFOs or videotapes or photographs. It can all, quote unquote, be made up by advanced groups of humans on the earth. I'm not saying that's true. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that's the century we're living in. Mm -hmm. So for, isn't this ironic, for the avatars of history to literally show up in the 21st century, as they were, or coming out of silver discs, or stepping out of uh, rectangles of light from another dimension mm-hmm. in the air in front of a thousand microphone press conference, we now have the challenge of humanity ever accepting even the real avatar. Because everything is so locked in to the cemented boxes of the last 5,000 years. Well, you know, the things that you described, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with what traditional Christianity teaches and my upbringing. And everything you just said has been, in essence, foretold, including a appearance of someone who claims to be Christ but is not. And so there's been a preparation that's been given, at least to those who are willing to study and to sincerely try oh, to pursue knowledge. Oh, are you talking about that? That dude in London? Well, no, I'm talking about this, this concept of a counterfeit Christ or, or what's right. called in Christianity an antichrist figure. The, the kind of concepts you've talked about. Now, there may be some different um, conclusions on the motives of the people that you're talking about. And certainly in Christianity, they will describe different motives because they have a different cosmology of how reality is playing out. But this whole concept you talk about, about everything being wrapped up in these Creatures basically taking their mask off, whether they're avatars or, or, or other spiritual creatures or whatever, 
and, and, and we're coming here to a conclusion, and I want to conclude with just asking you briefly about uh, your topic at your, your uh, conference. You're going to be here in Nashville here in a few weeks. Oh, but, yeah. But, but I, want, I just want to say in conclusion to wrap this up that, that what you're talking about is really for all the marbles for the people out there. And uh, since intelligence is much larger than us, are going to be preventing us or providing to us a story, and the stakes are high, who we choose to believe, I would suggest that everyone out there, you, me, everyone, need to plead our case before God or who we know our benevolent creator is to give us the wisdom to choose wisely and to be able to stand where truth is and where truth is not. And I think that's, I, I'm sure you would agree with me in that, that this the stakes are high to be understand uh, yes. what's truly going on and who's really giving us a true story. Yes. And and that you have everybody on this planet has an ally in the true force of life if they will just feel it, be with it, and see it. You don't have human intermediaries to relate to the force of life. Well, and and I, I would say we're we're at the at the mercy of God to be able to reveal that to us. And I would certainly wish that for all of our listeners that they could take the, these complicated topics, which are going to be in their face in the years ahead, to be able to seek wisdom and discernment and to know where the truth lies. And uh, yeah, that's what we pursue in our show here at Future Quake. We're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And I'm Tom. Uh, <laughs> what just happened, Bionic? Okay. Well, we've had one more segment here coming up to the conclusion of the interview with Linda Moulton Howe, mm-hmm. where she really digs in about um, traditional religion and... Uh, basically sort of lumped all of these uh, religious figures like Buddha and Jesus and others as avatars, Every, which is a New Age term. Yeah, everybody's sort of the same except for Muhammad. He well, yeah, was Muhammad different. messed stuff up because yeah. they said that they were, he was, they were all infidels, so yeah. she was not real keen on that. And she, yeah. didn't, she said she didn't really know what happened. So um, yeah. there, and I, I don't know how to interpret that whole thing. Uh, Jesus yeah, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's pretty explicit. He yeah. he doesn't say uh, Krishna or Buddha or um, yeah. anybody. Well, that's the one. That's one of the things that you know we've talked. That's one of the things that has been important in my walk of faith is that all these religions say different things. So logically, one is true or none is true. Right. You know. So. And Jesus doesn't uh, give accommodation for many ways. No. He it's, says it's one path. Any other shepherd leads you to the Father. He's a thief and a liar. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, uh, Miss Howe did not accept that biblical worldview. Uh, she gives a different view of Absolutely things. Absolutely not. She didn't. And uh, she even talked about what's interesting is people do not want to accept the biblical claims of Christ. In fact, they say that it's all been perverted in the Bible, although mm-hmm. I don't know why the things that are unpopular are only the things that are perverted that are put in there. But uh, <laughs> she did like the part about him returning yeah. uh, as a beam of light, which um, the Bible says that when he returns... He will come in like manner to the way he left. Lightning or something. Seen, he can be seen, and he will be seen on a white horse, uh, with his name on his thigh that no one can Mm -hmm. pronounce, and a and a robe that's dipped in blood. It's very explicitly. There's Mm -hmm. nothing said about a beam of light. Uh, This is how he comes with the saints Mm -hmm. in the clouds, and thus saith the Lord. There you have it. So um, uh, that's what we uh, believe in the biblical worldview, and I want. You all to be sure you understand that as well, too. But um, I think she talked about you're going to see that portrayed in movies. You're going to be seeing it portrayed in all the kind of popular culture. 
And I want to warn our listeners out there, as I said at the end of that segment, it's up to you to figure out what's truth. Uh, I said that in a very polite way during the interview with Ms. Howe, uh, who's a friend of ours, but that uh, she espouses a worldview. I, I don't quite follow it, but it's something that uh, replaces the biblical record and the redemptive act of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, it tries to, yes. And it tries to do that in that worldview. Or you can accept the biblical record as it is uh, about the person and work of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, his atonement for our sins, and uh, that is going to be challenged. It's going to be challenged particularly when people talk more and more about this E.T. scenario. So it's up to you to make the decision which are you going to believe, which one has the track record behind it, which one has the motives that are pure and honest, uh, which groups act in deception, mm-hmm. uh, which entities are you going to be talking about in the heavenlies or in the spiritual realms that deal in deception or deal in love and redemption. Mm-hmm. So we have one more segment to go. It's sort of a wrap-up a little bit about her discussion of her upcoming uh, talk in Nashville, which is one reason why we had her this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll be here at the end of, uh, end of June uh, for a particular conference here in town. So we're going to cut to the last segment, and then we'll wrap up this interview here on Future Quick. At the Dreamland Conference, it's coming up 2009 here in Nashville, June 26th, 28th. That's why we wanted to have you now, right before right. the show comes up. You'll be speaking. Can you very briefly, in just a couple of minutes... Uh, share with our listeners about uh, what you'll be talking about. Yes, I'm fascinated by what appears to be mathematical language embedded in crop formations and that it's becoming clearer and clearer that from 1990 Barbary Castle, where there was a ratcheted pattern in that particular uh, formation that showed up again last year in 2008, where Barbary Castle in which an astrophysicist finds that this ratcheted pattern on a horizontal surface of wheat literally uh, counted out to the tenth decimal place pi. And pi is used Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, calculating the area of a circle. And that what we are now seeing is that a scientist in Australia and the astrophysicist in North Carolina who discovered the pi calculation They are both seeing that this year of 2009, pattern after pattern throughout April and into May, seems to be signaling astronomical events that are coming, including the first one for us to see. July 7th, 2009, everything in the crop formation seemed to be pointing Hmm. to a coronal mass ejection from our sun on July 7th, 2009. Will it occur? Will the coronal mass ejection be so large that it will knock out satellites, that it will affect power grids? Are we being warned or are we being taught like students? We are communicating to you about things astronomical in the cereal crops of this planet. We are hoping some of you will learn because events are coming of such enormous size that life is not guaranteed. Wow. Well, I, one wow. thing I do hope for the sake of humanity on July 7th is that they can still listen to the Future Quake show. <laughs> that's probably the highest stake we have. Yeah. But, you know, that's what you call going out on a limb and hanging a date out there. So that's something that's right. we can measure and well, go on. Yeah. And I want to thank you, Ms. Howe, for joining us. These are incredibly difficult subjects. Right. Uh, a lot of our listeners, uh, we, this is a Christian radio station. We have Christian listeners 
that try to wrestle with these difficult things that we have in our life. They come from a biblical worldview, but they're trying not to shovel these events underneath the table, but trying to put it all together. And I, I challenge of our listeners to uh, be prepared for real challenges in the days ahead to your thinking, and uh, time would be best spent to understand where true knowledge is coming from and where truth is coming from. And, uh, Miss Hal, I appreciate you staying out there, uh, digging up more data that's out there, more reports, yes, more and information. I would, I would hope that you guys would agree that Glimpses Volume 2 is my effort to try to do exactly what you just said, mm -hmm. synthesize the complexities and the contradictions and put them in that book, Glimpses Volume 2, in a way that there are sources and facts that people can consider and do their own reading and thinking. Well, it's fascinating, uh, and it helped me in my research uh, in this topic area, and I recommend everybody get it. Ms. Al, thank you so much for joining us. I hope uh, our listeners are able to hear you uh, on June 26th, 28th uh, in Nashville here, and we hope you come back soon and visit with us. Thank you. Thank you so much, thank and you, you have a good evening. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, uh, what just happened, Bionic? That was the end of it. Yeah. That's the end of our no intriguing, more. to say the least, interview with Linda Moulton Howe. Yeah. Uh, and she concludes with a, a little bit about a discussion she's going to have at the conference she's speaking at the end of this month in Nashville, uh, talking about some mathematical messages within crop circles she's been studying. Mm -hmm. And also she had a, this cryptic announcement about a possible... Deadly coronal ejection on July 7th. Well, uh, you said you looked at that. I did message yeah. in the crop circle. Yeah. Well, the the crop circle thing was actually mind-boggling. It's 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 pretty amazing. Uh, it's G, the pi is actually contained within this you know mm -hmm. 200 foot. Two point, 3.1415926. Uh huh. Rounded up. Uh, the the sixth actually being the rounded up number. Yeah. yeah it's even rounded up at the end. Okay. It's very fascinating. Huh. Um. And I might I might throw something like that up at the at the Future Quake Radio website. Okay. I might throw that there. Well, you know, we don't know who that message comes from or what their motives are. One true uh, message that we can say, on our opinion, is the Word of God. Mm -hmm. uh, the Word of God has preserved for the ages. We stand behind it. It's the only sure record. You may hear a lot of strange things, maybe not as strange as this week on Future Quake, but mm -hmm. week in, week out, we talk about the frontiers of what's the news, uh, what people are talking about that aren't talked about elsewhere. But always, we send you back to the Word of God, the unshakable Word of Truth, and the revelation it gives of Jesus Christ, which is our only hope. So, if any doubt, we want you to know that's what we're all about here at Future Quake. We appreciate your thoughts, uh, what you thought about this uh, compelling show, uh, and some very challenging thoughts outside the Christian mainstream that shed some light on what we're going to be hearing about in the future from others. Mm -hmm. So, with no further ado, here's Merv to tell you how you can contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, that's quite a week. 
Uh, I'm still yeah. spinning, man. You know, we're going to have some of these points uh, disputed uh, regarding the evolutionary side of things in our interview next week. Good. Uh, and plenty of other great guests the rest of the summer. But until yeah. then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good tomorrow. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Revolution.